Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of A Good Drop. Today, we are talking about Tempranillo, a very Spanish wine. Yes, originating in Spain, if you'd believe it. What? No I way. Know. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, a Spanish wine from Spain, of all places. So, uh, I am Michael. And I'm Stu. And this is A Good Drop. Cheers. Cheers. Yes, indeed, it is a Spanish wine from the Spaniards. Yes, and uh, <laughs> in Spain, it is uh, in fact known as Ul de Lebra, Sensibel, and Tinta del Pais, I believe. And uh, in Portugal, it's known as Aragones or Tinta Rores. But uh, in Australia... And many other countries, it is Tempranillo. Tempranillo. It can also be called Rioja. Or is it Rioja? Rioja, I think. Rioja. Because it's Spanish. Spanish. Yes. Of course. The J is an H. Yep. Rioja. So let's get started. Let's yeah, get stuck into so... history. Although I am so tempted to not nah, stuff it. Let's let's give this wine a go. Get, it's, getting stuck it's into been, the wine first. It's been sitting on our desk breathing for the last 20 minutes. And the the and, bouquet oh, is man. yeah just uh, amazing. It smells sweet and fruity, so good. So I'm gonna have a sip of this, and Mikkel's gonna tell us all about what we're drinking. Yes. Yeah, so at the moment, what we are drinking is the Brian Fletcher Estate Margaret River El Cid Tempranillo 2014. Wow. That's all I have to say. Wow. Mm, it's a heck of a name. No, I mean the wine. I drank. Yes. I, had, I just had a sip and yeah, wow. It's really good. I bet you're even keener now. You're, oh, you're I'm, absolutely salivating. Yeah, I, I am very, very keen to try it. But I, I have to, because we're talking about, I'm talking about the wine now. So I have to tell you that uh, Brian Fletcher, the winemaker, is uh, from Margaret River in Western Australia and has been producing wines for over 30 years. And uh, his history in winemaking includes several years managing a winery in Tunisia in Italy. And uh, he now works with local growers in the Margaret River region to produce wines for his Brian Fletcher Estate wine range. And uh, the 2014 Elseed Tempranillo, according to Brian Fletcher's own description of it, Tastes of dark bramble fruit, spice, and vanilla oak Mm -hmm. with a lingering finish and substantial tannins. Yeah, definitely. There's so much of that in this drink. It's just absolutely delicious. Now, you said this was a 2014, didn't you? Yes, it is a 2014. Yeah, that was a fantastic year for Shiraz and for Tempranillo, apparently. Well, out of Australia, at least. Yeah, and quite possibly New Zealand, too. No, yeah, 2014 was a fantastic year worldwide. Yeah, I think it was just a generally good climate for for growing wines that year. Mm. But this, yeah, it's so, so delicious. It's smooth, it rolls off your tongue. Um, It's just got that little hint of a bite like you'd get in a Shiraz, but not as powerful as a Shiraz. Uh, Yeah, it's it's really, really good. Is this uh, variety still available? So... The uh, 
Brian Fletcher LC Tempranillo is still available, but now it's the 2016 that's available. Mm. And I'm, I'm not sure how 2016 was for Tempranillo. I, I have a lot of 2016s in my rack that it's too soon to open them yet, so I don't know how they yeah. are. Yeah, that's always the problem. You can have all this great wine, but you never know how good it's going to be until you open it. Yeah, as long as you leave it long enough that it's at its best and you've bought from a reliable winemaker, you're generally yeah. in for a good time. Mm. So uh, while we're talking about the, the flavors in um, in this drink, let's uh, talk about the flavors in Tempranillo in general. Because generally Spanish Tempranillo delivers contrasting flavors of leather and cherries. The finer the wine, the more balance between the earthy and fruity flavors. And the finishes typically are smooth and uh, linger with the taste of tannins on both sides of your mouth. Now, uh, Tempranillos growing outside of the Spain region generally offer more fruit flavors like cherry and tomato sauce, followed by chunky tannins and less earthy notes. Tomato, flavors of tomato sauce. Uh, apparently, yeah. Though, uh, Tempranillo has red fruit characteristics. And um, for anyone who hasn't tried one before and is wondering if they'll like it, it has a similar taste profile to uh, Sangiovese or Cabernet Sauvignon. Yep, yep, I can see that. Um, yeah, definitely a Cab Sav. It's more fruity, though, I think, than a Cab yeah, Sav. It's, I think it's the closest thing you could say mm. it's like this. It's yeah. not exactly like it. It's Well, you wouldn't want something yeah, like that. Exactly. Otherwise, it's, it's what's the point? It's fruitier, it's slightly sweeter. Yeah. And definitely it's got... More of a full-bodied mouthfeel, I think, than you get from from some Cab Savs. I mean, a Cab Sav is definitely a uh, a full-bodied red. Yeah. So a Tempranillo might be a challenge to get as well because it's very commonly blend, blended with other grape varieties. Yeah, finding a Tempranillo by itself was even a challenge for me. I looked through my my wine racks and i only had one bottle that was a straight tempranillo and a fantastic bottle it is and a fantastic too. bottle it is yes i'm, I'm glad that <laughs> i acquired it and held on to it for for this long i yeah just wish i'd held on to it longer really because supposedly according to uh, according to the winemaker the 2014 would have been um good until 2022 but is it when when they say it's good until 2022, is the peak 2022 or is it best at like 2020 or 2018? Mm, I think that depends on how you're cellaring it. Mm. And I mean, since I don't cellar, I tend to not leave things the longest that they could. I don't have ideal conditions no, for keeping them in. You, I don't have you a, need to get I yourself a, a wine cooler, at least, a mm. wine fridge. Yeah, I mean, I have like a fridge that. that I keep my whites in, but it's not the same. <laughs> no. That's like keeping reds in the freezer. What's the point? Unless you're uh, Manny from Black Books. No, yeah. not Manny. Bernard from Black Bernard Books. Bernard from Black Books. And that is, in fact, your lolly. Icy Pulse. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you'd need a really cold freezer to actually freeze it solid, though. Not really. At um, 12 to 14% wine freezes, uh, anything up to about 22 or 23% will freeze at minus 18 degrees, I believe. But surely it would uh, unfreeze relatively quickly. Yeah, it's, well, it's like a cordial. When you freeze a cordial, the sugar melts, sugar part melts first, and you're left with a, like a honeycomb ice, 
basically. So quite possibly the same thing might occur. That's a way to distill something as well. You can freeze distill it to Mm. remove the water and impurities out of it. So if you ever want to try this at home but can't be bothered boiling anything, put your drink in the freezer and then take it out and filter it through a fine cloth or a coffee filter. And before the water starts to melt, the first part to melt will be the alcohol. Yeah, and uh, little then known you can fact. pour yourself a far, far stronger drink if you feel like it. <laughs> it, or, it'll or be not. A, it'll be a brandy, maybe. Maybe. So, let's uh, talk slightly about the appearance, because this is um, a rather dark, purplish-looking... Mm, it's very purple. ...wine, but also, compared to some other full-bodied reds, it's not um, as deep-coloured, I, I would say, as... Uh, Say a Syrah or a or a Cab Sav. It doesn't have that deep red to it that some of them. Sorry, it's more a ruby red if you hold it up to the light. And uh, apparently, that difference in color actually comes about because the uh, Tempranillo grape is um, a larger grape but has a thinner skin. That's right, because the tannins in the red wine uh, create the red color. Yeah, exactly. So you can still get wine from red grapes or. Can you get red wine from white grapes? I don't know, actually. Probably not. Probably not, no. I mean, you can mix whites with reds. That mm. happens. Well, that's how you get a um, Sauvignon Blanc, isn't it? Or a Cabernet Sauvignon versus a Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah. Yeah, a Cabernet Sauvignon Blanc has yeah, the Cabernet. Yeah, extra has mm. the Blanc added to the... And that's how you get rosés as well. Mm. You mix the reds and the whites to get the pink colour. So, Tempranillo is a very old variety. Let's get back... Let's get into some history. Yes, because in fact it is one of of the oldest Mm. varieties. Yeah, it's very old. With The the earliest official mention was uh, in about 1807 with the... The general theory that it was introduced to the Iberian Peninsula, Spain and Portugal, by the Phoenicians nearly 3,000 years ago. A clue that questions the Tempranillo's Iberian origins is the scattering, scattered plantings found in Tuscany and Basilicata in Italy. So they, they found um, plants of temp- Tempranillo plants, vines in Italy and well, Tuscany is Italy as well. Yeah, the the uh, the Phoenicians who are largely responsible for sharing their wine cultivation techniques throughout a huge portion of Europe between mm. 1550 and 300 BC, literally travelled up and down that entire region, stopping in Italy and Spain, and so it makes sense that they yeah. just brought more wine varietals with them. Yeah, and I mean they um, settled the southern regions of Spain, mm. which is why there was so much growing there yeah. compared to other places. Well, it, it's grown so much, not just there, but all around the world, that it is the fourth most planted variety in the world. And apparently it's considered one of the nine uh, red noble grapes. Right. So, well, we'll g- give it a quick list so you so you know, because it, this is quite important. If Most grapes... Uh, most wines are a blend of these these grapes. So you got the at number one you got Pinot Noir, which is the the lightest of the red grapes. Uh, you've got Grenache underneath that, and then Merlot, Sangiovese, which you just mentioned earlier, Nebbiolo, which is a 
I haven't heard of that one before, but it's a, a savory, high tannin slash acid wine that is also quite light in color. Uh, you've got uh, Tempranillo coming in at number six, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon uh, at number seven, which is why it tastes probably why it tastes so similar to Tempranillo because it's right next to each other in terms of strength, flavor, strength. Uh, Syrah is underneath that Syrah or Shiraz. Very, very similar. And Malbec, which is um, the the darkest. Mm, and very nice, though, but we'll... I haven't had a Malbec that's, before. That's for another time, talking uh, talking about Malbec, obviously, mm. because it is yeah right up the stronger end. That will bite your face off, won't it? Not a good one. Not a good one? Uh, a good one of anything won't bite your face off. It will deliver the strong flavours in sensible ways. It, it'll nibble on your tongue instead. Nibble on your lower, lower lip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For, uh, for uh, curiosity's sake, I'll let you guys know what the nine white noble grapes are, um, but I'm just going to list them. Uh, you've got Pinot Grigio, Riesling, Sauvignon Blanc, uh, Chenin Blanc, Moscato, Givertz, Tramina, uh, Semillon, uh, Viognia, Viognia, geez, that's French, Viognia, and Chardonnay being the strongest. Hmm. Now, something that uh, you may find interesting is that the uh, the Viognier grape is actually used in a lot of reds. Say it again. Viognier. Viognier, right. I- I'm guessing it's Viognier, but yeah, it- it's actually uh, blended into a lot of red varieties to mellow out the flavors. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm surprised Moscato's in the middle because it's a, it's a very strong well, it tends to be rich and sweet, that one. Yeah, though whites tend to be sweeter in general. So Sweeter, but not sweet-sweet. Yeah, well, not like a, a Riesling, which is sweet. Like Monsters, Monsters Attack? Yeah. Hmm. So that was pleasantly sweet. That was nice. All right, back to reds. Yes, so uh, back to Tempranillo, mm. because um, around the... Because obviously around the Europe region, the, the wine spread quite quite a bit they were growing everywhere and um it's believed that uh, tempranillo was first introduced outside of europe somewhere around the 17th century by spanish conquistadors visiting argentina and that yeah they they took the varietal along with them yep. and left it there and it began being grown there and uh, then um the variety travelled widely during the 20th century after becoming established in the South of America and then making its way to North America. Hmm. And uh, then in the 1990s, Tempranillo started experiencing a sort of uh, renaissance in worldwide production. It vanished for a while, like it just fell out of favour. For I, I can only really speak for an Australian perspective, but I hadn't seen it for a long time up until even the last 10 years. Yeah, and uh, in fact, it's only been in Australia for the last 20 years, because around that time in the 1990s, Spanish producers started making it again. Right. And that brought its popularity up in other places. But around that same time, it also started to pick up in um, a couple of countries that were just really picking up with their local wine manufacture and... um, local wine cultivation, and those were South Africa and Australia, where uh, very large plantations were 
planted during the uh, early 1990s. Yep, because if nothing else, Australia has a lot of wide open spaces. Oh yes, a lot mm. of wide open spaces. Although it, it really impresses me how many wineries they can pack, or sorry, how many vineyards they can pack into one small area, like the, the Hunter Valley or McLaren Vale. Yeah, well, and uh, in fact, in, in Australia, the Tempranillo was first planted here in Victoria's Barossa Valley mm. by, uh, the Brown, by Brown Brothers and Yolumba around 1994. Okay. And uh, the regions that um, seem to achieve the greatest success with Tempranillo in Australia now are the Adelaide Hills, McLaren Vale, Heathcote, and Margaret River, which is where the Tempranillo we're drinking at the moment is from. Margaret River? Margaret River. Yeah, yeah McLaren Vale and Margaret River seem to be very, very good for reds. Yeah. Yeah, our Shirazes, our good Shirazes came from that. Those places too, mm. and uh, I'd, I'd say that's mostly probably owing to the uh, the altitude and the temperature. Because mm. uh, I mean, certainly Tempranillo grows best at relatively high altitudes, but um, also has a high tolerance for warmer climates. Uh, it develops acidity in cool climates and high sugar levels in warm climates, which cause it to achieve the rich, balanced flavors of what we're drinking now. So if you put it somewhere like Western Australia's Margaret River, where it gets really cold and it gets really hot, you end up with that yeah. mix of the two. Which is perfect. Yeah. It, I still can't get over how good this tastes. Like, they, it's perfect. It is, yeah, the the best wine I've had so far. So prop, props to you for holding on to it and getting a good one. Mm, oh, it was it was hard to hold on to it for as long as I did because I really like Tempranillo. <laughs> mm. Well, thank thanks for sharing it with us today. Mm, oh, happy to uh happy to crack it open and drink it. I think 4 4 years is about the shortest time I'd have wanted to hold on to it for. So, it was perfect timing for making this episode. So, let's uh, talk somewhat about the the growth of Tempranillo as something that is being grown because as of 2015 it was the third most widely planted grape variety in the world in the world with <laughs> 570,000 acres being grown at the time 88% of which was in Spain that's but, that all that makes sense it's a spanish grape variety it is it is and uh, it it is also grown in mexico new zealand america south africa argentina portugal uruguay turkey canada israel and of course australia but uh, yeah 20 only 22% of of the world's wine though is grown outside of at least in 2015 out, outside of spain you'd think there'd be less in i mean spain's not that big a country that's a decent size. It's a it's big for a European country. Well, yeah, I suppose it's big for a European country, mm. but yeah. small for a state of Australia. <laughs> I think everything's small compared to Australia. All right, so if you're buying a tempera- Tempranillo, there's a few things to look for. Uh, you might see it labelled uh, Vinjoven or Vinho- Vinhoven? Vinhoven? Mm, I think that's probably correct. Vinhoven? Uh, it mean, basically means very young. And it's a it's a tempranillo that is meant to be consumed right away. There's no aging involved. It's maybe uh, the same year or the previous year vintage. So the second version is the Crianza, which is um, they 
legally are required to be aged for two years with six months in oak barrels. Traditionally, they use American oak, which is much stronger than other types, such as French oak. Uh, then you've got uh, Reserva, which are reds that are aged at least three years with at least one year in oak barrels. These are a, a big step up in quality and have rich round flavours because of the extra ageing in oak barrels. And you've got Gran Reserva, which is... Wines from phenomenal vintages and aged for a minimum of five years before release with at least 18 months in oak barrels. Most producers apparently do about 20 to 30 months in barrels to create the the best flavour. And while we're talking about uh, names of Tempranillo, let's talk about the name itself because the name is actually a diminutive of the Spanish word temprano, meaning early, which is a reference to the grape's tendency to ripen several weeks earlier than most other Spanish red grape varieties. So I guess if you were a vineyard that has that grows a few different varieties, mm. Tempranillo would be a good one to grow alongside something else, yeah. because you'd be able to start. bring it in and then bring the other ones in. Hmm, start earlier. Yeah. Get more money. Get yes. everyone drunk. <laughs> so let's... Uh, Talk about our top drop for today, because obviously what we're drinking is our good drop. It's not our top drop? It's Well, because our top drop is uh, from Brown Brothers, who were right. one of the first Australian companies to start growing Tempranillo vines. Mm. And it is the Brown Brothers 1889-2014. So the 1889 is just the name, not the year, because the, yeah. the 18 is a number and the 89 is written in words on the bottle. And um, yeah, so the Brown Brothers 1889 Tempranillo was actually... Uh, Originally released at Cellador, but was so successful that it received a national release. Mm. Now, it's a small batch release that was produced by Brown Brothers Mini Winery, which focuses on trialing new varieties and different winemaking techniques. Right. They say that it has aromas of mixed berries and spice, and uh, that those characters follow through to the palate, which is uh, initially juicy and has a savory finish. Now, that particular wine won eight awards at Australian wine shows in 2014 and 2015, including golds at the 2014 Royal Hobart Wine Show, Rutherglen Wine Show, and Perth Royal Wine Show. And uh, while the 2014 is no longer available, at least anywhere that we could find, you can get the 2015 still. We found it at our uh, favourite bottle shop. And uh, for quite a reasonable price as well, less than $20 a bottle. I think that's a, a good a sign of a pretty good deal. If you can find a fantastic drop at less than $20, that's really good. Yeah, so uh, assuming that the 2015 is as good as the 2014 mm. was... Well, let's hope so. Yeah, certainly be worth trying. I mean, um, yeah, we also recommend you know, trying the 2016 Brian Fletcher Estate El Cid Tempranillo. I intend to buy... A bunch? At least... At least one bottle of it, now mm. that I know how good the 2014 was. Maybe you could try, like, buy a bottle to see if it's any good. And then, if it is, buy, like, ten. <laughs> well, if, if I didn't sit on it long enough, though, I really wouldn't know. That's that's always the trick. I'll mm. in, in the past, when I've been pretty sure, I've bought a couple of bottles. Okay. And I'm, I'm pretty sure, so I'll probably mm. get a couple, because it's... That's exciting. It's worth it. 
I well, think if if it's as good as this, it's it's worth it. I'll, I'll see you in five years, five six years for the uncorking. For the yeah, for the uncork. Well, the unscrewing because the unscrewing. very few people actually put a cork mm. in wine anymore. It's an interesting trend, isn't it? Well, I, I suppose it makes sense because there is always a risk of corking the wine. Yeah, when there's a cork in it, if you don't handle the bottle properly, you can accidentally cork the wine. Yeah. But you can't accidentally screw the wine. Yeah, I suppose if you sh- shake, if you shook it up too much or left it in the sun, it wouldn't be any good. Yeah, no, it wouldn't. But neither would a bottle with a cork in it. That is true. Yeah. So, um, so let's... we. Well, I was going to say we tried to find a, a good, not a good drop. We tried to find an odd drop for today's wine, but we couldn't find one. Yeah, there's uh, doesn't really seem to be any funny named Tempranillos or humorously named or oddly named they're all they're mostly just the name of the winery or the name of the winemaker mm. or something to do with bulls or bullfighting <laughs> like, like Toreador or Matador or running with the bulls or yeah, something think, like that yeah things to do with Spain and most of mm. those aren't even Spanish the, yeah. <laughs> the Spanish ones have you know names like uh well, one of them just translated in English to my home. My home. Which is, okay. Not, th- this not, not especially odd. No, not not an odd name at all, no. really. It's a shame, uh, really. But Yeah, just yeah. Uh, Mi Casa Tempranillo, which is, okay, great, good. My, but, my castle. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, before we finish up with this one, anyone who's uh, listening to this a little later on in the year, Tempranillo Day... Yeah, the uh, International Tempranillo Day is the 9th of November, so do remember to crack a bottle of Tempranillo for International Tempranillo Day on the 9th of November, and be sure to join us next time when we talk about Pale Ale. Pale Ale. Heading back to beer, because it's been a while since we talked about it, and I like beer. Yeah, and um, it's it's hard to go <laughs> past a good ale. ale. Ales are really popular at the moment. They're like the thing in the in the craft scene. Yes, very much so. Mm. So, um, until then, be sure to email us if you've got anything um, you'd like to say to us about this episode, previous episodes, ideas for future episodes. Yeah, let us know what your favourite drink is or your your favourite drinking story. Uh, our email address is a good drop at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. We are a good drop podcast. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. We have changed our name, so you can find us a little easier. We are a good drop all about alcohol. Uh, you can also find us on our website, which is a agooddrop.com.au. And I think that's it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the plug. Uh, subscribe or follow us so that uh, we know you're listening. Yeah, we love new listeners. We we do love new listeners. We we thank all of our new listeners for starting listening. Please tell mm. your friends so that they start listening too. Yeah. And um, until next time. Until next time. Cheers. cheers.